Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this early week edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you haven't already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the New York Yankees, sweeping them three games to nothing. They are still one game back from the AL East-leading Tampa Bay Rays. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can also find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts, is Jason Kelly. Jason, how are you? Doing great. Always feels good to sweep the Yankees, especially when you do it in New York and all those New York a-holes get to go home all upset. Um, I'm mostly just happy that I don't have to listen to the ESPN broadcast for a while because, oh, I forgot how much I hate that. Man, they are so bad. Oh, I, I can't stand... Matt Veskersen drives me nuts. Oh, I love Matty V. Oh, no, I can't. It, really? Wilson Valdez at the end, end there? No, no, I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Well, he, he did botch that. But I see, I have, I work a weird schedule a few hours in the morning, a few hours in the afternoon. So I watch MLB Central most days. And he used to be the host of that before moving to ESPN. And I just love Matty V. I, I don't know what it is. No, but. I can't do it. He, he was the voice of MLB The Show for many years. And I used to play that game on mute because I couldn't stand him. So. Uh, okay. And we, we all hate A-Rod. And I, I don't even know why A-Rod oh, yeah. gets to be on there. I mean, he's his pants go to the ground on everything in his life. You know, getting suspended. Messing around on J-Lo, you know. It's just like this guy, he loses at everything. He lost the Mets. He, he he couldn't get that gig. I don't. And he's made like, what, almost a half a billion throughout his career? Like, why does he need to be on ESPN? He tried to have his steroid guy whacked. If you, if you watch the, the 60 Minutes special. So Manfred said it himself. So, uh, yeah, so... I don't know. I don't know how ESPN doesn't feel dirty. Uh, and what's your Twitter handle, Jason? Oh, I'm at uh, Color of the Iris on Twitter. Um, that's color spelled O-U-R at the end. So you can find me on there. And uh, lately I've been screaming a lot about the Bruins and stuff like that. But you'll hear me calling Phil Nevin an old creepy a-hole like I did tonight. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hate Phil Nevin. Oh, man, when he got ejected tonight, I was like, oh, there goes the creepy old guy again. <laughs> Crazy Phil Phil Nevin. There he goes. So you can find me on there. Outstanding. Also joining us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Charlie, how are you? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, Red Sox are so hot now. I, I uh, it, it's it's now ridiculously hot in Rhode Island now too. I can't even wear a shirt. It's it's just ridiculous. Um, but uh, what if what a finish, what a finish to that series. Yeah, we'll get into it. But at first, we thought we won it. Then we thought we blew it. And then we won it. It was just might yeah. have, might have been the best game of the year tonight. Really, that was four wins in three games right there. Take it. Absolutely. So good series. And before getting into studs and duds, I just want to point out how, you know, we're in the tough part of the schedule right now. Fell on our faces against the Astros, barely avoided the sweep in the last game, but got it, got it right against the Yankees and um, looking like playoff contenders again. So, 
Let's get into studs and duds. Jason, you are in the leadoff position. Who is your stud for the series? I'm going with Xander Bogarts. And uh, this is a guy that people have been worried about for quite a while, and rightfully so. He what, was like 0 for 24 or something like that. Uh, he was going through a really bad stretch. But this series, he looked like the Xander Bogarts of old. Um, he he had a really good series. He went you know 2 for 4 on Friday, went 1 for 5 on Saturday, and then he went 2 for 3 tonight and ended up having the biggest hit of the night. Drove in those two runs and extra innings. Um, had a really good at-bat there in extra innings. Um, this is, you know, this is what you want out of Xander Bogart. So I, I never bought into the whole, you know, all here goes Xander. He's, he's plummeting again. He's, you know, he's going to go through a nosedive. Like it's Xander Bogarts. Like we've talked about this over and over again. He's one of the most consistent hitters on this team. So yeah, he went through a really bad stretch. I don't know what that was about. Um, and, and it's tough because like, during that stretch, I couldn't even explain why he was struggling. Like, it's not like he was hitting the ball hard and he was just getting out. It's like he was flailing away at, you know, breaking balls that were well outside the zone. Like, he looked a little bit lost up there. And it's just kind of, it was one of those weird funks that hitters go through that you can't always explain. Um, but the amount of times I saw him chasing balls out of the zone, it's like, man, he's looking like Mookie Betts up there. Um, but he he turned it around. He figured it out. And... You know, the, the batting average is back over, over 300 now. He's hitting 318 after tonight. So he looks fine. He's figured it out. He's going to be okay. He's still one of the best hitters on this team. Um, I thought this was a great series for him being in Yankee Stadium. Uh, you know, even though the Yankees aren't, like, maybe the top competition in this division, it's probably the Rays. But these games still matter. They absolutely matter. It's it's still the Yankees. It's still a big rival. And he stepped up. He he really performed well this weekend. So um, I think Xander's going to be just fine. I think, you know, rumors of his demise were greatly exaggerated over the last couple of weeks. I think people are hit, hitting the panic button a little bit too early. Um, he's back. He's good. And he's going to be fine the rest of this year. You, you know, I, I have no worries that you can rely on Xander Bogarts as this year goes on. Charlie? Yeah, I... I kind of felt the same way. A lot of people were starting to get, including myself. Um, I saw Bogarts with a couple people on, and in the top of the 10th inning, I'm going, oh, God, why can't it be literally anyone else? Because I felt like when it was a clutch hit that we needed this year, or, or even people on base, it just wasn't Xander getting it done. So it was really, really nice to see him get that two-run single to uh, knock in the game, and then hear his post-game comments. I have no complaints. He's arguably the... You know, actually, I don't even think it's argue. I don't think you can debate this anymore. I think he's the second best shortstop in the game right now. Um, and as as far as like health wise is concerned, he's probably your your top guy. Um, it it it's going to be interesting to imagine. Uh, you know, for those that want him gone, interesting to imagine a team where he's not on it. Um, as far as the future goes, because this is. I think, again, one of the players that if they leave, the optics of it would look really bad. So it's really, really nice to see him do what he did. Very happy to see that. It was an impressive series. It wasn't so much the the bad slump he was in, 0 for 22, 23, whatever it was. It was definitely one of the longest slumps we've seen. But the thing that impressed me this series was how clutch he was with runners on base because that was a glaring problem earlier in the year where he just wasn't driving in guys that that were on base. So we saw it tonight in a big spot uh, in the uh, 10th inning, or was that the 11th inning? I'm still kind of <laughs> rattled for... Uh, it was the 10th, yeah. It was the 10th, yeah. So... Nice to see, and when we talk about his future, JD's status is going to impact so many things. Where does Devers go? Does Bogart slide over to third? Because Bogart hasn't been great defensively this year, and but they should find a way to make it work. I also can't imagine this team without Xander Bogarts. Like, it's okay to have a lifer, 
I think what Pedroia was probably the last one, but the last several years on and off the disabled list and uh, Big Poppy to me was a lifer. You know, spent a few years with the Twins, but all the memorable years with Boston. So, and just from a leadership standpoint, who's better right now on the Red Sox? I mean, he is. He he's your leader. He's I I always equate him to Patrice Bergeron. You know, for for any hockey fans that also listen to us, like. He's sort of the silent, more quiet leader. Like he doesn't need to be making big locker room speeches or being demonstrative like Big Poppy was. Like he just sort of leads by example. And I'm sure in the clubhouse he's louder than we know of, um, you know, from his public persona. But he is your leader. He absolutely is. I, I can't imagine anyone else on this team assuming that role. When they go to the mound for a meeting, and we saw it tonight with Valdez. Bogarts's presence there is just so important, more important than anybody else who goes there other than, you know, maybe Alex Cora. And tonight it was Cora instead of Dave Bush because of the language, you know, Cora could communicate directly to Valdez in Spanish and seemed to be a very animated conversation. And after the game, was it Bogarts that was interviewed basically said, yeah, Cora was telling him to, to go after this guy. And uh, so great, great pick for stud this series and the team captain. I tweeted out on Twitter, number two, just drove in two. And how appropriate is that? Because the Yankees had a legendary number two as well. Charlie, your stud for the series. Uh, my stud, um, I had Nate Valdi. And uh, I forgot to mention it earlier for those that were uh, wanting to send me some harassment messages or tell me to put a shirt on. It's uh, Smith <laughs> underscore MLB. Um, but we got Avaldi who just did what he did for the second for the second start in a row, which is um, be incredibly uh, effective. And uh, I gotta say, no complaints coming from this guy. Uh, almost seventy percent of his pitches went for strikes. Gave us six innings, so. Again, I'm going to harp on the fact that we got a quality start. Uh, he did give up two runs, but only one was earned on the home run. Struck out seven, allowed eight hits. So the hit numbers were were kind of ugly. But, I mean, fantastic relief where eight of the nine batters went down by way of the K. Uh, right after that, I mean, it, it was just really nice to see um, because we, we've kind of been going a little hard on him uh, after a, a really nice start kind of scuffled a little bit in the last couple starts he's he's won in all three so um what was really nice about it was back-to-back games now with seven strikeouts uh i'm happy i hope it keeps going in this direction he's now got seven wins on the year so no complaints jason yeah make no mistake um as much as we rag on the yankees that's still a really good lineup and for native aldi to go out there and did what he you know do what he did. Um, and again, I, I just look at the overall numbers. Like we talked about Evaldi heading into the season. Like, is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to be worth the price tag he's coming in at? Um, all this stuff. He's seven and two. I mean, it's, you know, we're into early June. He's seven and two with an ERA under four. You really can't complain about that. I mean, again, this is a guy that we viewed as being sort of a, He's sort of your de facto number two, but we all agree that he's not really a number two. He's more like a number three or four, but he's pitching like a number two. I mean, again, seven and two, ERA under four, and he just went into Yankee Stadium and pitched really well against one of your biggest division rivals. And like I said, that lineup is still pretty good. You know, they're they're mostly healthy now, and, you know, that lineup can still give a, a lot of pitchers a lot of problems. Evaldi did really well. Um and I don't think he had his best stuff on Friday. I think that he was pretty good. But, you know, he did give up the eight hits. I think that he had trouble locating at times. But still, struck out seven, didn't walk anybody. Um, he's been solid this year. He really has been. And the fact that he's stayed healthy and he's giving you six, seven innings pretty much every time he goes out there, I mean, he's just kind of been, you know, more reliable than I think we even expected as this year goes on and you know, everyone keeps talking about Chris sale, potentially coming back at some point. If Chris sale does come back, 
and Eduardo Rodriguez can right the ship at some point, then you've got Sale, Rodriguez, and Ivaldi as your three, and then the rest of your ta- rotation's looking pretty good after that. That's that's really nice to have. That's that's a much better pitching staff than I think any of us could even imagine. So Nathan Avaldi doing what he's doing right now is so big for this team, especially since they are contending. And like I said, they're going into places like Yankee Stadium where it's hard to pitch there. It's really hard to pitch there. I mean, the Aaron Judge home run, like, come on. It's that's Yankee Stadium special. That's that's a double in Fenway Park. That's a double in most ballparks. May even be a line out in some other ballparks. But, you know, he gave up the Yankee Stadium special and he hung in there and he pitched well. And, you know, you really can't go wrong with that. So I was impressed with Ivaldi. I hope he keeps it up. I hope he stays healthy for the most part because when he's healthy and he's going like this, he's such a valuable part of that rotation, and it really can't be understated. Had he just gotten that third out in the sixth inning, he would have gotten through the whole start scoreless. Um, I I take that back, actually. Aaron Judge hit a home run, so he would have got out of it having given up one run. Uh, Stanton hit the home run. Excuse me, the other seven-footer. But, yeah, so – oh, no, my bad. Stanton grounded it in the double play, and uh, Judge – the the correct the the initial seven footer uh, hit the home run, but you know then Urshela got a single uh, and then Torres also singled and I'm like uh oh because he has had trouble with two outs in in prior games and then the unfortunate double error happened leading to a run being scored and to Evaldi's credit he buckled down and on two pitches got Clint Frazier to fly out and 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 that was the end of it six solid innings. From Evaldi, he's kind of giving you a John Lackey type stability in this rotation right now. And it's nice to see. And another thing we don't really mention here, you talk about somebody's going to lose their job eventually when Sale comes back. And it's going to be a tough call when that happens. But also look at it this way. The two wild cards coming into this year, Richards and Pavetta, have by and large pitched very well. Evoldi's pitching well, Perez is pitching well. And I think the fact that all of them are pitching so well takes the pressure off of all of them. You know, Evoldi comes into this game having uh, the couple games before just the team just kind of cruising through. So it's just they're they're all firing on all cylinders. They're all backing each other up. The clubhouse culture is amazing, and everybody's just in a great position to succeed on this pitching staff, whether it's the rotation or the bullpen. And if if it's a big game, I'm fine with a volley going in there. He's owned the Yankees for much of his career post Tommy John. And did it again, and we'll probably do it again a couple more times before the season is out. My stud for the series, this is a guy that has a lot of pressure on him. Some people might disagree, but coming into this series, Marwin Gonzalez was trending around the 190-200 range and not getting a lot of hits, getting a lot of strikeouts, and came up big a couple of times. Drove in uh, two runs in game one. Had a uh, two-run dinger tonight in uh, the final game of the series. We were down 3-1 to one at the time, so that got the game tied. And once the game got tied, you had to feel good about our chances after that because we weren't, we weren't doing anything off of Herman. And... Once it got tied, I just the the Yankees and the Yankee fans just had to have this really impending sense of doom based on the way the last couple of games went. And and sure enough, it was uh, it was more adventurous than I thought it would be in those last few innings. But we got the win. But Marwin definitely made uh, his presence felt. He did have that double error, but he also had that ball that bounced off of Bogarts. Went up in the air. Marwin barehands it, still ships the ball over the first to get the out. It was a highlight real play. 
probably won't see another one like it again anytime soon. And so just, you know, impacting both sides of the ball. And I'm a big Marwin guy, and I can see him having a Steve Pierce-type run through the playoffs. So I hope he gets it together because there's going to be some tough decisions that get made with this roster when when Brazier comes back. He took one off the head the other day, so it's probably going to be two or three more weeks. But then you, you might have some minor leaguers get promoted. So I hope Marwin continues to to have big moments, to to force his way to stay on this roster, uh, you know, for the for the remainder of the year. So, Jason, thoughts on Marwin? Yeah, I think that fans have to be realistic with what to expect from Marwin Gonzalez. Um, I know that this guy, you know, when he was playing every day with Houston, um, he was close to, like, all-star level of production. Uh, the batting average was high. He was hitting for a lot of power. Um, that was years ago, and and he's not quite the same player now. Um, he's he's a role guy. He's a utility guy, and at the end of the day, defensively, he's a plus. Um, you know, he did have the double error, but for the most part, he's made some clutch plays in the field this year that you just can't deny. You know, he he has been a plus defensively. The bat's been slow to come around. You know, it, he only hit his second home run of the season this weekend, but. If the bat can just get there a little bit more, which it looks like it did this weekend, he's you know he's slowly but surely getting there. And the glove, you know the glove is going to be there. And his versatility, you can't deny. He can play all over the place. So he's going to be important. I, I think that, you know, your comparison to Steve Pierce is, is a fair one. Um, you know, he, he's going to be one of these guys that in September, you know, even into October, when you get into the late parts of the year, Maybe some guys are banged up. Maybe, you know, you've got some guys on the IL and you need Marwin to play multiple positions, you know, seven days a week. He's going to be there and he's going to be able to do it. Um, is he going to be on the all-star team? No. Is he going to hit, you know, close to 300? Is he going to hit for tons of power? No. Um, he's going to have a pretty average bat, maybe maybe even below average at times. But his versatility and the fact that he's, you know, he's a guy that with his glove, can save you runs and can win games for you, that's going to be just as valuable. So, um, and again, you signed him for nothing towards the end of spring training. I mean, it's not like, you know, people love to rag on guys like Garrett Richards because he's making close to $10 million. Marwin's not making close to that. So you signed him for almost nothing. He's here. He's going to play pretty much every day because Alex Cora is going to know where to put him in what, you know, what day, what position, whatever. Um, he's going to be super valuable and it's just, just don't expect all-star caliber stuff. And, you know, you won't, you won't be spoiled on that. So he's going to be huge down the stretch for sure. I, um, Oh God, it hurts because, you know, when you, when you make some, some comments about certain players that really just completely light up, you're like, all right, well, he had a really good game. All right. Well, he had another really good game. Oh, damn it. He just did it again. And uh, I think he hit it right on the head. Like this isn't something uh, you're going to expect from him day in and day out. Uh, being a, a a clutch bench player is something that is going well for him because he's now, I feel like he's aging. I don't think he's going to be very effective or efficient in a couple of years if he's still in the game at all. But uh, he's, doing everything possible to stay relevant and be in the right place at the right time to make some great defensive plays. Um, he's had a couple of really key hits. Uh, he doesn't have that home run. We're not talking about sweeping the Yankees right now. We don't do it. Uh, we actually lose this game. Um, and I think it's important to mention uh, key hits. That was one of them. The other one uh, was Christian Arroyo who ended up legging out a double on that little bloop shot to right, uh, something that a lot of major leaguers wouldn't have probably done. They just would have been like, oh, it's probably going to be a pop-out. They're going to get it. And then you see, oh, they didn't catch it in a row. He's at second base. That's the type of play that comes with someone who's got real nice baseball IQ, and that's something that Marwin Gonzalez has, uh, and he's displayed that in this series multiple times. So, um 
you tip your cap to him. You recognize the uh, the great moment in, in a clutch situation. And I agree. I think the, the relationship between um, or the or the uh, comparison to Steve Pierce is is potentially very accurate. This might be someone that goes, you know, for a real nice playoff series. Maybe he gets considered for a playoff MVP. Um, I don't know, but I mean, if he continues to do things like this, the batting average below 200 isn't going to be below 200 for much longer. So, uh, kudos to him for having a great series against the Yankees. Some honorable mentions to get to, uh, Alex Verdugo had a hit in every game, uh, including a home run today in the first inning against Domingo Herman. Hunter Renfro continues to go on an absolute tear. He's on a 10-game hitting streak. Uh, also hit in every game, obviously, if he has a 10-game hitting streak. Um, but nice to see there. I keep waiting for him to fall off that cliff and have a 4-for-30 run. But he continues to be hot against both righties and lefties. So nice to see. Um Bobby Dahlbeck, I mean, he was one for seven, but he hit a dinger and that it was a two run shot that put basically the game out of reach on Saturday night. So I guess that's worth an honorable mention. And then literally almost everyone who pitched uh, gets an honorable mention. Uh, Hirokazu Sawamura faced uh, he struck out five out of the seven batters he faced he he did walk one gave up zero hits um eduardo rodriguez finally finally has a good outing and and he typically is a big game pitcher yankee stadium's one of his better ballparks five and one third five hits which is the fewest hits he's given up in quite some time Three earned runs, uh, one one ball struck out seven, one walk, excuse me, struck out seven. Um, any thoughts on him? I mean, he had a quick uh, one, two, three in the first, and uh, also the second gave up a a couple of hits each in the in the third and fourth, and um, couldn't get through the fifth and couldn't quite get through the the sixth inning. Uh, gave up uh, a single and a double, I believe, and then uh, one run scored on a sack fly, and then Whitlock came in to replace him and uh, gave up one of the inherited runners. But three earned runs, we're going to take that after the miserable month of May he had. And if if there was going to be a loss in this series, it would have been it would have been game two with Rodriguez, and he kept us in it. So, Jason, thoughts on him? Yeah. Um, overall, I was pleased. I wasn't like blown away. I'm not, you know, calling him back per se or anything like that. But five and a third, he threw 88 pitches. So, you know, in his previous starts, he was at 88 pitches by like the third inning, fourth inning. Um, he was much more efficient. He only had one walk in that outing. So I thought he looked a little bit better. Um, he still ran into some trouble at the end. So Maybe this is just he's slowly working his way back. Again, this is a tough lineup. I get it. Um, I want to see him do this at home, too. I, I know that's a weird thing to request, but it's like we know, like you said, he's a big game pitcher. He likes pitching at Yankee Stadium against the Yankees. I want to see him do this at home against like a bum ass team. Like, can he do it at home against like the Royals? Can he do it at home against the Mariners? Like, I always feel like those are the teams he slips up against. And again, it's a weird complaint to have because like, you want him to beat the good teams, and he does that. But it always feels like that, you know, that random team that you expect him to do well against comes into Fenway, and he struggles. And I don't know if it's just because he's not as locked in or he's not as focused or he's not as motivated, but I still want to see more. So this was a good start, but I do want to see it progress a little bit more because, you know, he is going to be super important to this team if they really want to contend in October. Um He's got to be doing much better than this. He's got to be giving you six, seven innings of quality baseball um, down the stretch. So it's a good start, but I still want to see more. So May 7th was his last, in my opinion, decent performance. That was also the last time that he actually saw his ERA go down because the last four appearances, the ERA continued to climb. He had one quality start. He had four straight appearances, allowing four runs or more. 
and five of six because he had that one outlier game. And I'm calling it an outlier because he's been getting absolutely smashed. The month of May has shattered his numbers. Like it's destroyed his metrics. His ERA went up twofold. Everything seemed to be going wrong. I'm much happier to see only three runs come around against a, a much better, um, I, I think a, a much better team than he uh, thought. Cause I don't think the Yankees are a bad team. I think Erod has pitched very poorly this season, but I do think it is going with underlying health issues that he's experiencing um, as I think it's like the, I guess after effect, I, I don't know how else to call it other than that of myocarditis. It's a huge get right appearance for him. Um, because my expectation, like I think most was if we were going to lose a game out of these three, it's probably going to be the Erod game because <clears throat> there was no faith, uh, against the Philly game. Um, we, he got smashed in that one. Houston teed off on him too. Um, this was a huge performance for him because he started the season off get like gangbusters five and zero, then lost himself. He didn't get the win tonight. Okay. At least we're starting to go in the right direction. Maybe June ends up kind of turning into April where things go a little bit more his way. That's my hope. He actually had a 7.25 ERA for the month of May alone. And his numbers, like Charlie said, are shot. He had a similar 2019 where the first two months weren't great. That's why his final numbers weren't super sparkling. I think he did still finish sixth in the Cy Young voting. But um, but maybe this year ends up having a similar trajectory. But certainly the month of June is off to a good start. So hopefully this month will kind of resemble what April did. Uh, also, Garrett Whitlock, like I said, he did give up one of those inherited runners, but wasn't uh, charged for any uh, any runs of his own. In fact, only gave up one hit, walked nobody, struck out two in one and two-thirds uh, innings worth of work. Adam Ottavino facing his old team as well. Uh, two appearances, uh, scoreless in both. So suck it, Yankee fans. Um, Josh Taylor has not given up a earned run still since the month of April had a nice, uh, outing, uh, tonight in game three struck out Giancarlo Stanton, got a gift on that pitch, but we'll take it. We'll, we'll take Christmas in June. That was like, it looked like it was six inches outside the zone, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, so I'm, yeah, so that that about does it for the uh, honorable mentions. Getting into the duds side of the spectrum, Jason, who's your dud for the series? I'm going with Kike Hernandez. Um, he played twice this weekend. He went one for eight, struck out five times. Now that one hit was an RBI double, so that was good. But otherwise, struck out five times, left four guys on base. And we were talking about Marwin Gonzalez earlier, right? And how Marwin has struggled, you know, in his role. Marwin Gonzalez is on a one-year, $3 million contract, okay? So at the end of the day, you look at that, you look at Marwin's struggles, and you go, okay, whatever. It's a one-year, low-money contract. Who cares? Kike Hernandez signed a two-year deal for $14 million. And the scary thing is, it's not seven even. He's making six this year. He's going to make eight next year. So if he continues to trend downwards, you're paying $8 million next year to a guy who, depending on what the Red Sox do with their prospects or whatever, is going to be sitting on the bench. And like, sure, he'll get in there because he's a utility guy. He can play anywhere. But again, that's $8 million next year. And even this year, it's $6 million for a guy who, where do you put him? He can't hit leadoff because he strikes out way too much. You put him in the back end of the order, he still sucks there. Um, I think defensively, he's fine. He might be a little bit overrated. I mean, he has a pretty decent arm when he plays the outfield. But otherwise, like, 
has Kike Hernandez been like a flashy goal glover? Like, you know, l- let me put it this way. Has Kike impressed you more defensively than Marvin Gonzalez has? I would say no. No. I, 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 you're right. I think Marwin has made more game saving or run saving plays than Kike has. And he probably plays a lot less and he's making a lot less money. So it's starting to get really frustrating with Hernandez. And we also heard about how, oh, he's got a lot of pop in that bat. You know, oh, Kike Hernandez, like when he gets a hold of one, you know, he, he can hit it a long way. Um, have we seen that? Like, it, again, it's just all this stuff about Hernandez that we were sold when he signed. I haven't really seen it. I know he has a couple home runs. He's got five home runs on the year. But, like, I don't know. It, it's not coming in clutch spots, and it's just he's not doing enough for a guy who, again, like, he was their, what, one of their first signings in the offseason, and they were so excited about it. There was all this hype around him. Like, oh, can't you know, all we heard was, oh, my God. So many teams are talking to Kike Hernandez. Can't believe the Red Sox got him. And it's like, well, maybe they just overpaid for him. And other teams around the league were like, yeah, you want to pay him $14 million? Go ahead. He's not worth that. So I I hope it's just early season struggles. I hope by September this guy turns into, again, like another Steve Pierce or just someone like that. And he has some huge at-bats in September and October. Um, But so far, it's looking like a pretty bad investment. So I'm going to say this much. I don't think I've heard anyone do it so good and so well as you, Jason. You have this third or second grade teacher uh, response that is just so on point. He went, you know, one for eight and he had an RBI double and that's good. That's like the participation trophy that everyone gets speech and I literally, thank God I was muted because I just probably woke up everybody in this whole house. Like, it was so priceless. I was not expecting that. It was amazing. Unfortunately, I, I kind of agree. Like, you know, we, I, I sit there saying, oh, you know, Marvin Gonzalez, $3 million, a $3 million donation. It hurts when you're giving $8 million donations. Those really hurt. Um, Kiki has had moments of being clutch uh, on the team. But let's not forget... Kike was never a full-time player when he came to Boston. They want him to be somebody he's not. They're also hoping, they were hoping that he could become somebody that he hasn't had the chance to become. And what we're experiencing and what we're witnessing is that he'll have moments of, of you know, hey, good job, bud. Like you said, Jason, like those, those like, all right, that was nice. But they're not going to be as consistent. So when he had those moments in L.A., he'd have one or two nice moments in five or six tries. So it'd be like, oh, wow, not bad for a bench player. Now it's one or two nice plays out of 12 or 15. So it doesn't look as nice. But he never had to do that. He never had to prove himself. I'm still curious to see what happens for him in the playoffs because he has done damage for he had, excuse me, had done damage for the Dodgers. Um, It was the Yankees. Not everyone's going to hit, you know. So we had a couple players like if if you went into this series and you were told you were set, you know, someone had, you know, ask you if you had to put a million dollars on a player to have a better series, would you say Marwin Gonzalez or Kike Hernandez? I think all of us would have said Kike Hernandez. No one's going to say Marwin Gonzalez. So there are outliers and there are situations where some players just don't perform. I would like to assume that that was just Kike in this series. I'm still not a downer on him. I have liked Kike um, from the beginning. He's frustrating at moments, but I, you know, you hired him to be uh, a Swiss army knife type player that could potentially play every single day. He's doing what he's asked right now to play every single day. No, the numbers aren't great, but at least he's not in the leadoff spot. So there's a win there. Remember before the season started, and the the jersey, the top selling jersey rankings came out, and and Kike was ninth. And I looked at the list, and I was like, "Huh, ninth? Half the fan base doesn't even know who he is yet. How is this possible?" Like, I'm calling BS on that right now because, like, when he came over, we're like, "Yeah, he plays seven positions. Maybe he'll be like Brock Holt, this and that." And he hasn't really endeared himself to Red Sox Nation. And I guarantee you, if you go to Fenway Park, 
How many how many number five jerseys are you going to find at Fenway Park? I bet hardly any. Without Nomar's name well, on the back, well, true. very few. Yeah, and I you know doubt because this. I, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, I I was going to say I'm convinced that half of those people just wanted a Nomar jersey, and so they just bought the number five home jersey. They're like, oh yeah, it's you know they're on sale again because it's Kike, <laughs> but I really wanted a Nomar jersey those years back. You know, cheaper now than it was then. So because those those Boston those City Connect jerseys, the yellow ones, they don't have the names on the back. So a lot of people probably got a number five yellow jersey because they were Nomar fans. I don't think they were Kike fans. Doesn't make any sense that he was ninth over Bogarts and you know some of the other more likable guys. Jeez. So I, he just hasn't endeared himself to this fan base. He hasn't really had any signature moments yet. Um, it hasn't been a fun experience. I, I said in the last show, it's it's not his fault that they put him in the leadoff position and put those expectations on him. But his approach to that has been wrong. He hasn't adapted to that. He still tries to be a power guy rather than just simply put the ball in play, be a contact guy, get, the, get on base type of approach. So he's in the seventh spot. I kind of like that. Um, so yeah, well, the season's early, but it does seem like a kind of a waste of money considering the, the depth that we're about to call up. Like Jason said, we're going to start promoting some guys. You have Marwin, you have Arroyo and yeah. So Charlie, go ahead. You're dud for the series. I would like to personally spend less than one minute talking about it because I don't <laughs> think it's worth talking about. Um, Danny Santana went one for 12 with a single and he had a strikeout. Ended up getting pinch hit by Christian Arroyo, which was arguably the second best play uh, of the game as far as decision-making quality on point. Gets a clutch RBI double and ends up coming around to score with one pitch Then Danny Santana seems to be able to do with multiple opportunities. I don't want to hear anything uh, about Santana like, oh, yeah, he did this well. Nope. When you go one for 12, nope. Sorry, you lost that right. One for 12 is a batting average is what? 0.83? I have to. Yeah, 0.83. I'm sorry. That's. It was cute to see a couple of home runs in your first couple of games, but I think we're starting to see what, what you really are now. Yeah, it's, it's concerning because. Um, and he DH twice out of those three games. So. Do they not have confidence in him playing the field? Is he not fully healthy? I know he had the foot infection, so are they rushing him back from that? Is he starting to feel discomfort there? Like, I don't know what it is. Um, And it's, you know, again, this guy was a lotto ticket, right? You you picked him up out of nowhere. No one else wanted him. He had that one stellar year with Texas where he hit 28 home runs. And, boy, Dave O'Brien has no problem reminding Red Sox fans about that every time he comes up to plate. Um, but he fails to mention that last year Santana was nothing. He he couldn't hit. It looked like he couldn't play. And again, like this was this is a guy, he kind of started out the same way Marvin Gonzalez did with the twins. Like he was a utility guy. He played shortstop a little bit, but they moved him around, you know, and, and they sort of they played him a little bit of everywhere, but he never really stood out in Minnesota. Then he went to Texas, he had that one good year where he hit twenty eight home runs and the batting average went up and you know. Gee, I wonder what that was about. Um, now, all of a sudden, it looks like he can't hit anymore. So, again, it you took a flyer on him. It's not looking like it's going to work out. I, I I imagine at this point, just stick with him because he's versatile. Again, I, I hope he's versatile because he DH twice. So, you know, I'd like to see the guy play a few more positions in DH because did you just pick up a DH off the waiver wire? That doesn't make any sense. Like, that's useless. You might as well have just gone Albert Pujols at that rate. Like it, can he move more than Pujols? I hope so. So I'd like to see him play a few more positions. I'd like to see the athleticism that we keep hearing about, but for right now it's looking like a wasted flyer. Um, we'll see. I, I, I have a feeling Danny Santana at this point uh, won't be on this team past the all-star break. Charlie, geez, <laughs> Charlie's motioning towards me while I'm doing this, but no, it's it's true. He's he's looking just kind of like a failed flyer at this point. It's it's a shame. Yeah, um, 
he started off well, hit those two home runs right away in the in the first series. He has a really simple, compact swing that just makes me feel like he he should be at least a good contact hitter, but um he's not long for this team. We we talked about Marwin earlier and um I I think he's going to be out pretty quick at this point. There's just it, it was worth it was worth a look. He did hit 29 home runs in 2019, which was the last full season. But yeah, just an- another guy not working out and you have Dahlbeck not working out a lot of the time and Marwin's had his struggles and so eventually I don't know. Eventually, someone's going to get cut eventually, and it, it probably will be Santana if a move ha- has to happen uh, quickly. So, I I have a question. Oh yeah. Uh oh yeah. Uh, do you think that this is the first candidate to get cut, not demoted or anything like that, because of options and whatnot, DFA'd on the Red Sox? And do you think it happens before? July 15th, several weeks before the All-Star break. I think it happens. Yes, would be the the short answer. Because we were talking on the last show, how do you make room for Brazier? And Cut Santana. Done. You, yeah, you could. We, we were thinking maybe the kid from Seattle who hasn't even given up a run yet since he's been here in the minors. But it would just be a lot easier to, to just cut Santana at this point. And, and it's going to be even harder than when, when sale comes back, who gets cut. It's just, we've got a real crunch going on with our 40 man. And uh, Santana is going to go, he, he would have to go on an absolute tear. And, and if he does, well, then maybe it becomes uh, a tougher situation, but yeah, especially at 1.7 mil for one year. That's yeah. pretty expendable. Yeah. So out he goes. Yeah. Uh, so my dud, we won't spend much time on this. The only reason I'm picking this guy is because there wasn't many options. There wasn't many options. We swept the Yankees. All of my pitchers, I have... I have two columns. I have the good column if they pitched well, and I have the bad column. And and that's how I separate my dishonorables and my honorables and, and stuff. And it's hard, but I mean Garrett Richards arguably was the was the worst pitcher, uh giving up three runs. I know Erod did as well, but Erod did go a little uh further into the uh, outing and gave up three less hits. Richards gave up eight, so um, not a terrible, not a terrible start. And at the end of the day, I, I would probably take that from Richards uh, most times out, but, um, but I had to pick someone and it, and it was hard. It was hard. So, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, you're totally right. Like I did not envy you, uh, having to take Garrett Richards because it does feel like he's been a punching bag all season and at times rightfully so, um, especially early on. But, you know, this this start today, like, look, he went five innings. He, he threw 95 pitches. So his control at times was kind of all over the place. Um, you know, it he didn't look completely dialed in. So was it a great start? No. Was it an awful, terrible start? No. Um, he was just kind of meh, you know. And if the Yankees showed any sort of sack throughout this whole weekend, they might have been able to beat Garrett Richards, but they didn't. Um, so you can't really complain about that. He was a little bit below average, but you know, like you said, at at the end of the day, we'll, we'll take it. I mean, he pitched well enough to keep you in it and, you know, we came away with a sweep anyway, so not too much to complain about, but I would like to see him just sharpen up just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he did. I mean, it's weird. I think the only reason why he's in that dud bucket is because uh, three runs, five hits, or three three runs, excuse me, eight hits in five innings. If he gives you another inning of work, three runs in six innings, I don't have that much of a problem with. Three runs in five looks a lot worse on paper. When you throw in the fact he had eight hits and two walks, his whip was two for the game. 
So that's not good. You can't live on that. Um, was it the worst performance? No. Was his best performance? No. I mean, I'm pretty sure I went to his worst performance this season. Um, and he, he really has been, uh, you know, metaphorical punching bag for obvious reasons this year on multiple occasions where I'm sitting here wanting to bang my head against the wall just to try to make sense of it. Um, this one was just, he was there. He, he did his job. He gave five innings and then, uh, the relievers came in and just crushed it. So no complaints. There are no dishonorables really to go over because, like I said, I probably would have picked someone other than Richards had there been other viable candidates. So just a really good series by the Red Sox against the Yankees. We gave them a lot to cry about. There was a lot of crying coming out of the dugout as well. Phil Nevin got tossed. And then it looked like the hitting coach was supposed to get tossed, but then the umpire got him crossed up. They they tossed out. Mendoza, the bench coach, who was just minding his own business, and it led to Boone awkwardly going back and forth from the dugout to the umpire to, I don't know. It just, there there was a lot of crying, and it, it kind of did start with that bad strike call that was way out of the zone, but um, the Yankee tears are fine. It's... It's so good, and and especially, I mean, it's true. That strike call was pretty bad. I mean, I, they they have a reason to complain, but um, Aaron Judge after the game just being like, "Well, you know, I'm glad that our guys got ejected because it shows that we're fighting." You know, and we're all fighting. It's like, can you fight on the field, dude? Because you guys just got swept. So yeah, congratulations. Like half your coaching staff got tossed out, but you guys showed no balls on the field. So, um, you know. I mean, old ass, crazy Phil Nevin showed more sack than that entire team did all weekend. So um, bad times in Yankee Town for sure. Absolutely. So we've got uh, a one game set against the Marlins uh, coming up. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one because you got Nick Pavetta going up against Pablo Lopez. And Lopez this year has had, I think, more games of quality starts than not. Um, I got to look at it now because I'm pretty sure yeah, he might he might actually be even on it. Um, and he's he's one of the better pitchers on that team. Um, his ERA is two point eight two and he's pitched 13 times this year, 12 times this year. So you have that and then you have the absolutely insane undeniably confusing Nick Pavetta, who continues to just do what he does best. His last couple starts, he's thrown six innings and struck out nine in each game. Before that, five innings, eight strikeouts. Before that, six innings, seven strikeouts. His ERA has, you know, kind of waned. It's gone up and down. Um, He had an ugly May, fantastic month of April, did great so far against Houston. Now he gets to face the same team again. Um, or excuse me, he, he would have faced the same team again because that's the series right after. I actually, again, like I have no reason to doubt Pavetta. I think that Pavetta will get the win again. It's Pavetta. He's six and one this year. He seems to not really be able to do any wrong. And if he does do any wrong, the team is like, yeah, we got this one. We'll, we'll hold your beer for you. We'll get a couple runs for you. So I think Pavetta's got this in, in the bag. Yeah, it's one of those weird games because it's a makeup one. It's at five o'clock in the afternoon. Um, it's one of only three games tomorrow, so it's one of those that the Red Sox weren't expecting to play this week. Um, so they're going to have to shuffle, shuffle some things around. But um, I, I think they'll be fine. You know, it's it's the Marlins that they're not all that scary. Um, I still pick them for the wild card, just for the record. But um, they're not all that scary. So. And again, you, you've got Pavetta going. He's kind of, you know, six and one. Like, yeah, he's had some up and down starts, but this lineup isn't too scary for him. I, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, the, this is a makeup game, and the Marlins are flying in from Pittsburgh uh, to to finish this uh, from the earlier rainout. I mean, Lopez is good enough. I could see us kind of sleepwalking into it, and maybe not being super stout, but 
Um, like Charlie said, there's no reason to doubt Pavetta at this point. He's going to give us a chance to win. And I guess my only concern is the bullpen is a little bit taxed, especially after tonight. So maybe if Pavetta goes, uh, if we can get six out of him, maybe you get Andres for a couple of innings because his workload has been pretty light. And then if you're really lucky, maybe you'll have a big enough lead to bring in a guy like Workman uh, to close it out. Uh, so that's tomorrow, and then the rest of the week, well, Tuesday through Thursday, we have a three-game set again against the Houston Astros. The nice thing about this is all three games are in prime time, so we'll be able to see them. Uh, going in the first game, Framber Valdez versus Martin Perez. That's a great matchup. I mean, <laughs> it's tough to... To pick a, a winner, Valdez. I noticed the spin rate was through the roof in his last start, and now we've got the commissioners gonna be apparently starting not this week but next week. The umpires are gonna be checking it, and we're already seeing spin rates come down. We saw it on Stroman today. Andrew had something uh, in the group chat. Uh, there was one other pitcher who uh, re- was down quite a bit, so maybe guys aren't using the sauce so much. So it'll be interesting to see that, but Perez is on a nice (laughs) run and you could go either way. I mean, I'll say the Red Sox are going to win and be a homer, but who really knows? It's going to be really hard because Fram, Framber Valdez is a, is a really good pitcher. I mean, he's only had two appearances this year. His ERA is 1.64. He's striking out more than a guy in inning. He's only given up one run outside of a home run. Um, and that was against us. And he went seven strong and threw 102 pitches, struck out 10 guys. So, um, I, like you find myself struggling on this one. I think game two, we win game three, we lose, uh, game one is whichever, uh, whichever team has better offense, because I think both of the stars are going to give you six plus. So if, if Houston can light up, then they're going to win. If the Red Sox can light up, they're going to win because it's whoever knocks out the starter first. That's going to be who wins the game. Both of these guys have uh, done fantastic the last couple uh, times out. Martin Perez has given up zero runs in two of his last four starts. And then the start right before that, he gave up only one run. So I just, it, it's tough. The only reason why, I'd make a case for Houston in this situation is that Framber Valdez can go deeper into a game. You see Martin Perez at like 80, 82 pitches, and that's a cap. Framber Valdez, 100 pitches, we're still going. So there's another inning, inning and a half maybe out of him. And if he's still firing, then, you know, it's just going to be lights out. So we'll see. Yeah, I um, I give the edge to Houston in this one because I look at it as which of these two pitchers is easier to figure out the second time around. Again, we we just sort of we just played these teams, right? These teams just play each other. I think that Perez is easier to figure out the second time around. I think Valdez is tougher. So I'm not sure the Red Sox. I'm sure they'll do a little bit better against him, but I think that he's got some good stuff. Even if his spin rate isn't as high as it was the last start, he's he's a good pitcher. He's got a lot of nasty stuff, and I think it's going to be tough for the Red Sox to figure him out a second time. Whereas I think a guy like Martin Perez has been around for a long time and has pitched in the AL West for quite a while as well. I think that uh, the Astros will figure him out and they'll get to him. And the Astros do have an explosive offense. They're healthy again. I mean, Altuve, Correa, Alvarez, all those guys can mash. So we'll see. I mean, if Mar- if Perez and the Red Sox pull it out, I'll I'll be pleasantly surprised, especially after nearly getting swept in a four game set. You know, if you can start this one off one, one to nothing, that's pretty good. Uh, The second game, I think we can all feel a lot better about that's Jake Odorizzi versus Nathan Avoldi. Odorizzi just hasn't quite gotten it together. He had a forearm strain, something like that, which uh, caused him to be shut down. And he had a later start because he he didn't sign. I mean, spring training was like halfway over by the time uh, he was signed to the Astros. So, so, and he hasn't been right since 2019, really, which was a good season for him, but just has been a complete mess. And then you're, you're catching Nathan Avoldi at the wrong time. 
So I, I'm just going to quickly pick the Red Sox in game two. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was wrong on Odorizzi. I wanted him all through the offseason. I was desperate. I was like, please sign Odorizzi. They didn't. They signed Garrett Richards instead. I thought, oh, that's a mistake. Um, so far, I've been proven wrong. I hope I continue to be proven wrong. Um, all due respect to Jake Odorizzi, but I hope he sucks for the rest of the year. And that Garrett <laughs> Richards continues to just keep that ERA under four and continues to be at least solid. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think of all the shuts him down and Red Sox win game two. I think this game is over before the fourth inning. I have been against Jake Odorizzi since before Jake Odorizzi's name was even uttered. <laughs> I can't stand him. He he looks like an absolute fool. Um, I mentioned this already once before. He's only had one decent appearance when he only pitched a third of an inning. Garbage. Just garbage. Done with him. Over him. Got rocked once. He didn't even go four innings in the last one. This one's not even going to go four innings for him again. And his ERA might, you know, go to the moon, which is an expression that's been used quite a bit in 2021. Uh, let me tell you, Odorizzi, no, just not happening. And I, I'm so glad that I've been right on him because I feel like I've I've only been right a couple times this year. I was right a lot more in 2020, but no one was against this signing more than me. Could not stand the idea of him wearing a Red Sox uniform. I won't ask you about Corey Kluber. Uh, game three, Thank you. Zach Grinky versus Eduardo Rodriguez. I honestly don't remember the last time the Red Sox faced Grinky. I mean, he's been a National League guy for quite a while. He was traded halfway through the 20, at, not even halfway. I think he was a, at the non-tender deadline August 31st in the 2019 season. And... um landed with the Astros and we definitely didn't play him last year. So one of the more intriguing guys in the league, you know, with his personality kind of up there with Trevor Bauer, they could make a hell of a reality show if they wanted to team up and do one. But um, facing Eduardo Rodriguez and I'm just going to pick the Astros in that one because one start against the Yankees, that's, that's not enough for me, but I will say this. If Rodriguez has a similar performance, only gives up two or three runs over five or six innings, then my confidence level goes way up with Rodriguez. So if this is accurate, August 14th, 2016, one and two thirds, nine runs all (laughs) earned on 10 hits, three home runs allowed with three strikeouts, 43 pitches. The Red Sox ended up winning that game 16 to 2. Uh, if that's anything remotely close to what happens, then it's going to be a quick one. Mookie Betts had three home runs that game. I know most people forgot who that was, but uh, he went absolutely off. Um, and the rest of the Red Sox just continued to tee off, too. I still think that he will do better. Um, because he was kind of in his head uh, at the time. Um, he's all, he's a very polarizing player. Like anyone who who knows anything about Zach Greinke, he's one of the most frustratingly interesting people in baseball. I don't know how else to describe it other than frustratingly interesting. Um, he won the Cy Young when he was, I believe, a member of the Royals and then was pissed that he won because he didn't like the attention, so he intentionally sucked the next year. Like just... It's not normal. Something's just, it's just odd. So I think the fact that there's, uh, you know, no real pressure on him to do well, I think he's going to do fine. Um, and I think over the next one and three game series, it's not a, sh- you know, a sham to expect that we can go two and two here. Yeah. Um, Zach Ranky doesn't worry me at all. Um, maybe he should. But I, you know, I'm glad you pulled up that last game because I always feel like the Red Sox hit him pretty well. Um, and if Andrew McCutcheon 2.0 can hit three home runs off of him, then I expect Bobby Dahlbeck can at least run into one. Um, I'm sure Rafael Devers is, might take him deep too. So I'm not too worried. I, I think the Red Sox can handle Granky. And as long as Eduardo Rodriguez doesn't completely go backwards and crap his pants again, and he at least gives you a pretty solid effort like he did this weekend, then... I like their chances. I think they're on a good streak right now. They're going to be feeling it after the Yankee series. So I like the Red Sox in that one. 
Well, I've got it. Uh, I got the Sox winning one out of three. I would be thrilled if they do come up with that extra game. But uh, sounds like you guys got it two out of three for the Sox. Oh, no. Yeah, Count- two out of three. So I'm saying one out of three against Houston, but I say we win against the Marlins, and so I think we're going to go two and two. So we'll split the little four-game series, for the lack of a better term. Granke career against the Red Sox is two and five in eight games, seven of which have been started. He's given up 22 earned runs in 43 innings and seven home runs. So that's the average. I don't think that he's going to do that bad in this one, but I mean – I've been wrong before. It could happen again. I I still think that, you know, one out of three is the baseline. If we get two out of three, then we stole one from Houston. Yeah, he's he's got a high IQ for a pitcher, though. I I think he's going to be 37, 38 years old. Still arguably a top of the rotation guy. Last year, it was funny. He was calling, and I think Bauer did the same thing. He was telling the hitter what he was going to throw. And uh, it worked out very well until it didn't. And then one just, like, got smoked and uh, left the ballpark. But but nonetheless, you know, he's facing Erod. Even if we even if we don't win the game, I just want to see Erod pitch well. If, if the bullpen blows it when he comes out, if Erod pitches well, that's good enough for me. That's, that's, that's a win going forward for me. So we'll see how it ends. Uh, We'll be back on Thursday night to recap that. Job and Andrew will be available for your Friday morning commute. We might lump the Marlins uh, series in with that one, but uh, and then but twenty four hours after this show, we are going to have a format uh, that's called Totally Legit or Calling the Cops, where we make I read off six predictions and then Jason and Charlie react. Totally legit or calling the cops based on how they feel about that predictions. We actually already recorded the show. It's a lot of fun. Be sure to check it out. That'll be available 24 hours after this one. Take care, everyone.